We're dealing today with the problem of evil, and that is the problem of bad things, that bad things happen in life, and how this affects our faith in God. So let's face it, there's really bad things that happen, bad things, horrible things, things that are hard to even think about, let alone experience. There are times where in life, in the world, there's terrible abuse. There's parents who are terribly abusive to their children. There's the death of loved ones, <clears throat> which is a trauma that you have to go through to even know what that's really about. There's children who have bone cancer, who are slowly perishing in the hospital, and their parents are praying and praying, and maybe some of them are getting healed and some of them are not. Uh, there's tsunamis, there's natural disasters, there's earthquakes, there's famines, there's all sorts of other things like this. The world has a lot of bad stuff. And so this leads you naturally to ask the question, if God's good, why is there so much bad stuff going on in the world? Uh, some people, they think that there is no God because of this question. Uh, they go, well, there is no God. God must not exist. They think it's impossible for God to exist while evil things might be happening somewhere in the universe. If there's evil happening, it means that God doesn't exist. Other people, they still believe that God exists, but because of this problem of evil, they rebel against God. They shake their fist at God. God, I'm mad at you. You've allowed this stuff to happen. And I judge that you're bad for letting this stuff happen. And they get mad at God. Uh, so you're going to encounter this problem. Either it's going to hit your own heart uh, because you'll struggle with hardship and you'll go, I don't understand. I want to know why, 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 why? And you get more and more angry as you ask that question. Or you'll encounter it in the malice of other people as you're sharing your faith, as you're witnessing, as you're telling people about Jesus. Or they might ask you this question, what about the problem of evil? So that's what I want to talk about today. I want to answer this question. I want to, and there's, and there's good answers for this question. Uh, I also want to be very open and real and honest with you uh, about this. I'm not trying to spin anything. I'm not trying to manipulate. I want to be as clear as possible on the subject. So to start with, let me say this. There's two sides of this issue that we have to deal with. The emotional problem and the intellectual problem. Um, the emotional problem and the intellectual problem, there's two different sides of the coin. Right, dealing with the problem of evil. In fact, at, at first when I said, if God's good, why do bad things happen? You probably thought that's an intellectual problem. But then as I start to describe some of the bad things, you start to feel your emotions go out a little, right? Your heart goes out to this child who might have bone cancer uh, or some terrible thing going on with him. But let me explain to you the difference between the emotional and the intellectual. Let's suppose, now here you are, you're at church, you're in a Bible study, and I look and I zero in on your face. And my face just becomes angry. Angry and mad. And I look at you, and you can see it in my face, you can see it in my eyes. He looks like he's mad at me. And I yell you, I'm like, stop it. And you're like, what? Like, what am I doing? And, and, and I yell, stop or I will kill you. And you're like, what? And then I pull out a gun and I point it at you and I yell, stop or I'll kill you. I know it's not funny, but 
but now you're totally freaked out and now I pull the trigger. Boom. You feel the bullet fly past you as I apparently miss and your traumatizing heart is, 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 is pounding and you're freaked out. You're like, I knew it. I knew, I knew Ethan was crazy <laughs> and you're just really freaked out. And so you look behind you and you see that there's a guy coming up behind you with an ax ready to kill you. Uh, and you realize that the whole time I was yelling at him protecting you. Now, intellectually, you've solved the riddle, right? But the emotional trauma is not over yet, is it? You're like, I still have that memory of him pointing the gun at me, and I thought I was going to die. You might not even want to talk to me, you know, even though what I did was good for you. You might just be like, no, I'm scared. You freaked me out. I just saw in his eyes. <laughs> he had death in his eyes, you know? It's an emotional problem, it's an intellectual problem, and sometimes our emotions don't line up with the truth of things, right? And that's the issue that we have here today. So what I want to do is I want to ask your permission. I want to take you from the feeling level, the emotional level where most of us hang out, and ask you to be on the thinking level, the intellectual level, just for a moment. Let's set aside our feelings about the problem of evil, and let's talk intellectually about it, and then we'll come back to the emotions later. Let's try to straighten out the intellect and then we'll deal with our emotions. So hopefully I have your permission to do that. Let's set, it, let's set aside your emotions for a minute, okay? Let's talk about what's true. What's true about this evil. Uh, so first off, dealing with the intellectual side, we deal with the problem of evil is actually two different problems. And one of them is the problem of moral evil. And the other one is the problem of suffering or pain. Suffering and pain and moral evil, these are two very different issues that are going on. Moral evil is like that person abusing someone else. That's morally evil. Murder, theft, rape. Uh, this is moral evil. This is morally wrong. And that's a problem. That's a problem. That's a question. And then there's a separate question. That's the problem of suffering and this and the problem of pain. I have an issue with the problem of pain that I've been dealing with when I eat. Uh, I don't know why, but when I chew, I chew hard. And every once in a while, my gum, the side of my gum gets stuck in my teeth when I'm chewing. And it hurts really, 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 really bad. And I'm sure you guys have experienced this too. So I want to mash down on, on, on my gum and it just, you feel it and it hurts and then it starts bleeding and it's just, it's just bad. Uh, then, you know, my mouth is swollen up. My gums are swollen up because I bite it. So what happens next, right? I bite it again. The next time I eat something or I chew, I bite it again and again. And I did it again yesterday. Uh, I did it a couple of days before that. Uh, you know, it's been going on for, you know, a couple of weeks because I'm an idiot and I'm chewing it the same way and I can't retrain myself to, to not chew my gum. But um, this is not a problem of moral evil though, is it? What's that a problem of? It's, it's, it's a problem of pain, of physical pain. It's a problem and I don't like it. But the physical problem of pain and suffering, this is what connects to things like disease or cancer 
or natural disaster, or hurricanes. That's not a moral evil. That's that's a suffering problem. It's a pain problem. So suffering or pain is unpleasant, and it can even be terrible pain, but it doesn't make it immoral. It doesn't make it immoral. So let's first talk about the moral problem of evil. So you see these two problems, moral evil and pain, two different issues. Um, moral evil is real. There is real moral evil out there in the world. This is legitimate. Some people actually deny this. There's certain Eastern religions that just deny that moral uh, evil even exists and it's all pantheism and they don't think that moral evil even happens, but it does happen. It does happen. Believe it or not, as a Christian, this should strengthen your faith in God. What do I mean? Uh, I mean that if moral evil didn't happen, it would be because there's no God. See, if there's no God, there's no moral evil. There's no real reason how you can say to someone, you ought to do this, you ought not to do that. This is morally right, this is morally wrong. So if moral evil really exists in the world, then this is actually evidence for God, not evidence against God. Now, maybe emotionally it's, it's, it's evidence against God, but not intellectually, not in reality. If you're an atheist, you have to believe that there isn't any moral evil in the world. See, you, you, you can't come to God and complain, God, why is there moral evil? Because you don't believe in God or moral evil if you're consistent in your worldview. You can't be like, it's just wrong, rape is just wrong. Well, when I see a great white shark on the nature channel and, and it gets together with a female shark, it forces itself upon her. But we don't call this rape we don't, because it's forced. We don't call it that. It's just there's no moral quality. These are just sharks. But with people, we see, we, we see there's a moral element uh, with what we're doing because we see there's God who tells us how to live. So moral evil is really evidence for God. If there wasn't God, there'd be no moral evil. So here's a question I have to struggle with. Is there a purpose beyond God allowing this moral evil to happen? Is there a reason why God uh, allows this? And I'm going to give you four reasons why I think that God legitimately allows moral evil to happen in this world. And the first biggest issue probably is the phrase free will. Free will. Uh, free will is a good thing. It's my ability to choose what I'm going to do next. Um, I can choose to keep talking and deliver this message, or I can choose to get my wallet and grab my, my keys and go down the street to Taco Bell and get food. <laughs> but I'll, I'll choose wisely. And I'll stay and keep going. But it's a decision. I don't even have to be here. I don't, I don't have to be doing this right now. Uh, we, we have a choice to make a decision and do whatever we want, right? You can choose to listen to this or not. This is free will that we have. Um, now, free will is a good thing. Free will is a good thing. And I think that we agree with this. I like being able to choose things in my life. But there's a problem with free will. And free will is this. It allows evil. You can't really allow true free will without also letting people do wrong things. So... Evil comes as a consequence of God allowing us to make decisions, letting us have free will. Free will is good. Robots don't compare to people. Imagine if you're best friend uh, and they're a robot. Now, I know there's people on Earth whose best friend really is a robot, and that's just sad. Like that, We all know that's really pathetic and sad. Uh, that's not how it's supposed to be, and... You know, people are different than robots. So this is actually answers the question of who made evil, because maybe that's on your mind too. Who made evil? Who created evil? But evil wasn't created then. If evil is just merely me being allowed to decide to do things that aren't right, then God didn't have to make evil. He simply had to give us free will. And we made the evil. 
when I chose to, when, when, when Cain chose to kill Abel, he created that evil situation, the first murder. So the first reason there's purpose behind free will, uh, be, or behind evil rather, is because God allows us to have free will. And the second is connected to free will, but it's different than free will. It's the concept of love. Uh, love is arguably the greatest good there is on earth. Love, like people loving each other, people loving God, God loving people. Imagine if you could take the earth and remove love, all love gone. So imagine, it's like, what's the point? What's the point? I mean, love is a great, great good. But imagine if I could design for you your perfect girlfriend or, or boyfriend, and they then would love you guaranteed. In fact, it's, it's, it's programmed into their DNA. They have to love you. They have no choice. No matter what you do, if they like it, no matter how bad your joke is, they laugh at it. This is, this is the perfect person physically and character-wise and all this good stuff that you like. Uh, but they have no free will. They never choose to love you. It's just automatically programmed. Do you like that? You're like, what's the point? What's the point, man? Like, if, if you don't get to choose to care about me, then, then how are you really caring about me? Uh, so, love needs free will. And to say, I want to get rid of free will, uh, then I also want to get rid of love so I can get rid of evil, is itself really kind of sad. And it's unfortunate. And it's a good reason to allow moral evil is to create the opportunity for good. The third reason is this. Purpose behind God allowing evil. And this one makes sense to someone who loves God, a Christian. It might be confusing to someone who doesn't. Uh, but it's for God's glory. God's glory. God judges moral evils. And this is a good thing. We want him to judge. We feel it in our gut that sin and moral evil is asking for judgment. Like God said to Cain about murdering his brother Abel. He goes, his blood cries out to me. It cries out for judgment. It cries out for justice. And just like in a movie, the bad guy sort of lets the good guy show his colors. Now, imagine watching the movie you've seen and take the bad guy out of the equation. Well, then maybe there wouldn't be a movie, you know. There, it wouldn't be there. But there's the bad guy allowing the good guy to show his colors. And there's elements of this in God allowing evil. God can bring good through judging and show his goodness and his glory and his righteousness by being the hero, saving the day and doing things right. Now, that's just one reason. That's not the whole reason. That's just one. Number four, uh, is there purpose behind God allowing evil? And I think you'll appreciate this one very personally. Let's suppose for a second that God were to stop all evil. And God has said, no more evil, boom. And he stopped all evil. Well, how does he do this? Well, it's easy. He just looks around the universe and he looks at every possible source of evil and he eradicates it. He destroys it. He annihilates it. Would you enjoy that universe after all the sources of evil are annihilated? Why wouldn't you enjoy it? Because you wouldn't be in it. You are a source of evil. I am a source of evil. I've done evil things. I've done wrong things. And if God were to really just drop the hammer right now and bring judgment right now and stop all sources of evil, he'd stop all human beings, including you and I. So it is God's grace upon us that he allows us to continue existing and to continue going. Now, God has a limit to this, right? He's not going to let it go on forever. And he doesn't let people get away with anything they want. There's some limits that he places. We look at God judging cities and worlds in the past, like Noah the flood destroying destroying the earth like god's limiting the wickedness 
uh, of men, but he's allowing them to exist because he's giving them time to repent and to come to Christ. Uh, so stopping evil means stopping us. And that's the fourth reason is that out of care for us, God lets us continue. So that's moral evil. And I think in all honesty, it's not that hard to show that moral evil can exist why God exists. You know, he gives us free will and he works good through the things that are going on. He shows judgment and it's time for us to repent, to get saved, all these different good things that are coming out of this. Um, moral evils are caused by free will agents, people, us, and we are responsible for our acts. God is not responsible for their actions. They have free will. We have free will. And God has a good reason to allow, and he limits it to some degree. So, personally, I'm satisfied with that intellectually in my brain. So, the second question is this. That's more even. What about suffering? What about pain? What about cancer? What about tornadoes and hurricanes and floods? What about people who fall off a cliff and fall into quicksand? What about various different non-moral suffering? Is there a purpose behind suffering? And I think there's several things where there's purpose beyond suffering. One of them is this, the first one. Suffering leads to lessons that we learn. Character transformation, personal change that happens because I go through pain. It wakes me up, it gets me asking deep questions. I remember hearing the story of Bethany Hamilton. She's a pro surfer who was attacked by a shark and she lost her arm, had her, had her, had her arm amputated or was eaten. Uh, it was destroyed by the shark. And so she was there in the hospital and it was there after losing her arm that she starts asking deep, deep questions about God and about life. And it led her into doing a worldwide ministry, sharing the truth of God and of Christ with other people. Uh, and, and that never would have happened had she not lost her arm to that shark. And there are countless, countless examples of people whose lives blossomed as a result of pain, as a result of difficulty and suffering. It allows us to respond nobly, right? There's there's lessons in character transformation from pain. Great men and women from the past, like godly men and godly women have gone through suffering, just about every single one of them. Uh, Paul the Apostle talks about it. I've learned how to suffer in need and still trust in Christ. How did he learn this? By suffering need and reaching deep down to trust the Lord. And you can probably see this in your own life. Probably, if if, if you really think about it. Can you think of pain that you've gone through that taught you something? I think that personally I've learned more through suffering than I have when times are good. I can learn more in five minutes of pain than I do through a week of feeling absolutely great. Because we just don't really dig really deep when things are going fantastic. That seems to be our nature. Uh, so imagine if can you feel a world with no pain. There's no pain of any kind in this world. And so you stub your toe. It doesn't hurt. Uh, you, you, you jump off a building, you break your leg, it's broke, but it doesn't hurt. What kind of people would we become? Like dead, possibly. Uh, leprosy is an example of what happens when you stop receiving pain signals from your body. You start losing body parts. Uh, but there's more than that. We would also become selfish and immature, shallow, proud, and not dependent on God. It is my frailty and weakness has me calling out to God. When when, when you're young, you, you tend to think you're the king of the world, right? And after a while, you start to realize you're the joker. You're the dunce. You know, we're not so fantastic, amazing after all. We spend all this time as a young person judging others for how they don't measure up. Never looking at ourselves to see the plank in our own eye, right? Well, 
pain and difficulty, they humble us and they teach us deep lessons. And the lessons, think about this, the lessons are temporary and the pain is temporary, but the lessons you learn from them are permanent. The character is permanent, the pain is temporary, the, the character change is permanent. Um, and on balance, permanent character growth is better than temporary pain. The second reason why I think God would allow pain and suffering is because of correction. Hebrews 12 talks about this. Let me read it to you. It says, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That God will sometimes allow our lives to be, become uncomfortable or painful, or really, really painful, in order to teach us lessons. Um, this is a sense of correction. When God sees us going astray, to cause us to wake up. It's like a spanking from the Lord. A third reason why God would allow suffering pain is for punishment. Uh, God really does allow these things for a sense of punishment. This does happen. We read about Egypt and we see about the 10 plagues. The 10 plagues weren't just coincidences. They were a natural type disaster, but it was miraculous. But it, it would have appeared like nature rising up, sort of. But what it was is God actually punishing for them for, for, for their rebellion against God. And there are punishments that also come. Sin does cry out for judgment. And hell itself involves suffering and it involves pain. But it's just and it's good. It's right. This is a right thing and a good thing. And to not bring pain upon those who fully deserve it when you're the righteous judge of the earth would actually be wrong. To withhold that pain. And then there's also the book of Job. We learn some really interesting things from the book of Job. Job, uh, his children are killed. Um, his livestock are killed. His crops are destroyed. And he is afflicted with physical pain and suffering. And it's all because of issues that are going on between God and the angels and Satan. And Job is never in the book. He's, he's never told why all this stuff has happened. He asks why throughout the book. Why, 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 Lord? Why? I need to know why. I got to know why. Like so many people who go through pain just have to know why. God never tells him why, but he does come and he starts asking these questions like, Job, were you there when I created the world? That would be no. Were you there when I fashioned the animals? Were you there when I put the stars in the sky? Were you there? Like, do you know what's going on? And, and, and Job responds finally. He's like, oh, I was such a fool. I spoke words without knowledge. I wanted to know why, but who was I to think that God had to explain himself to me? And that's the danger of asking a question about why evil God is because sometimes I'm acting like God has to answer to me, but he may have heavenly reasons for this. There may be reasons that have nothing to do with human beings on earth, but have to do with some angelic things that are going on. And that's how it is in the book of Job. There may be reasons there that you're simply not aware of because it has to do with spiritual powers and truths. Uh, and similar to this number five, a fifth reason why I think God allows pain and suffering is because, uh, let's call it the butterfly effect. I'm, I'm sure you, you might have heard about this before. The butterfly effect. That is that maybe somewhere out in the middle of uh, Uganda or <laughs> somewhere that flaps its wings. And slowly this builds up and this wind creates this and that. And all of a sudden there's a hurricane that, uh, like a year later. And, you know, that could happen. But think about this, you don't know how the events that are happening and going on in your life are affecting somewhere else in the world, somebody else's life, or maybe a hundred years from now. You wouldn't even exist. You wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for the fact 
that your mom and dad's genetic information just happened to mix at that specific way at that exact time. It just had to happen at that particular way or would you not, you, you would not even exist. Um, life is full of so many moving parts that you honestly don't know what impact this pain or this suffering is going to have in some other way. It might be hundreds of years from now before you find out, if you do, why such and such has happened. But the world and life is a lot bigger than you and me, and this butterfly effect is basically saying, God, I know there's a lot of things in the motion in, in, in the world, and this pain and suffering could be caused, could be causing all sorts of things happening that I don't know about. Uh, and number six, this is why we see pain and suffering in the world, it's because we're in a fallen world. Uh, we're in a fallen world. Now, pain says to you, this isn't right, right? When I, when I bite my lip, I bite my gum, it shoots pain through my head. It says to me, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And when we see the world around us with a lot of suffering and a lot of evil and a lot of pain, we say something is wrong. And that's a good thing for us to recognize uh, that it's a fallen world. Now, I don't think that any of these is just a one-size-fits-all situation, but I think it gives us reason to have hope because you can look and you can go, you know what, I may not know this, but I think that one applies to this. Or maybe that one applies to this, and possibly this one too. And it gives you some sense of intellectual anchor to grab onto and go, okay, I can see this, I can see this. In my own life, I remember being very bothered by the lack of attention and care that I felt like I experienced at home growing up. Uh, and the fact that I felt like, you know, my parents didn't always grow, didn't always care about me growing up. And, you know, I... I kind of felt like people hated me uh and you know some other things that were going on around the home it's interesting is that this is what actually in in hindsight uh when when i look back upon my life my childhood i go that's what caused me to be so desperate for god uh, and i was asking questions about god otherwise i would have been like every other kid that i knew uh because i was going through hardship and i was so discontent with life because things were bad i decided to ask deeper questions and be like, God, I need you. I need help. And it actually led me to my faith in God. And I look b back at it now and I'm glad. I'm, I'm serious. I'm so glad that things happened the way they did. I'm grateful for it. Very grateful. I'm afraid that if it would have happened differently, I might not have come to Christ. And so I'm grateful that God worked in that situation. Now, does that make it good? No, it doesn't make it good. It just means God's good. And, and he works good through these situations that I'm really grateful for. Um, so here's what we do know. I know that for those who are wrestling with suffering, I mean, we know that creation wasn't always this way. This isn't a part of the original plan. This wasn't a part of the original arrangement where it's permanently this way, always this way. This is not how it's always been. That free will has to be, has to be involved the issue of evil. You know, they come together. I know that suffering is useful and God uses it. I also know that suffering is temporary. Creation will not always be this way. There's a new heaven and a new earth. And I'm going to have great hope and peace in that. I also know that God limits suffering and pain. And there's all sorts of things that he doesn't let happen. And just imagine if he took his hand off the world, like would the Cold War have resulted in a nuclear destruction across, you know, two-thirds of the earth? Maybe. Maybe you'd be dead already if God wasn't already at work in your life. Uh, that's what we do know. Here's what we don't know. We don't know why individual situations are going wrong. I don't know why this person got cancer. I don't know why that hurricane or tornado hit. How, how do I know that? What kind of arrogance do some people have 
to look at someone else's situation from miles away and go, yep, I know why that happened. It's like, how do you know that? You're just guessing. You don't know anything. God's plan is not obvious to me in my life, and I shouldn't act like I know what's going on. Like I, th I think we should agree on this. I shouldn't act like I know what God is doing in someone else's pain and situation that I'm not even involved in. I don't even know what he's doing in my pain half the time, you know? Uh, but if this is true, if it's arrogant to act like I, like I know what's going on, isn't it equally wrong and arrogant to act like we 